Holy smoke, Steely is hard of hearing, Drake. There is no Tyler McComas today. I am Parker Thune. Drake Dyken is in studio with me here for Locked In. It's not often that I'm wearing these pair, this pair of headphones. Typically, Tyler is sitting where I am sitting, and I'm sitting where Drake is sitting. I walked in this studio, threw on these headphones, and oh boy, a 60-year-old man was just wearing these. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's uh, three to four people you do not want to wear headsets immediately after and not do the preeminent uh, scaling back of the volume. <laughs> Sealy's one of them. Uh, Tyler's one of them. Uh, also, Connor Pasby is another one of them. Yes, yes, I mentioned this last week, too. It's clear Connor Pasby has been to more concerts in his day than I have. The text line is text line's having a good time because Steely, right before he got off air five minutes ago, dubbed Daniel Akinkunmi the English muffin. <laughs> yeah, he, he just uh, dropped that grenade right as he <laughs> went out the door, right? It's like the English muffin. See you all. Oh, man. Uh, what a you, time. You, you know, Toby has told the story a number of times about how he had the nickname for Ethan Downs being the trash man and everything on the sidelines because when he was a freshman, you and other reporters saw him collecting yeah. trash, cleaning it up on the sidelines, stuff like that. And basically his mom texts or direct messaging him on Twitter and be like, or emailing him, I can't remember what it was, but basically say, yeah. I don't like my son being referred to as the trash man. I could see, I could see <laughs> Daniel Akumi's uh, family being like, "Yeah, maybe not the English muffin. Let's uh, let's let's figure something else out here." <laughs> oh, what a time! What a time it is. Locked in is brought to you today and every day by. Oh, now wait. Wait for uh, it. I got so confused. Wait for it. Okay. Here. <laughs> Locked in is brought to you today and every day by Dor- Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. I got confused for a second. I don't typically have to do the ad reads. I was like, wait, hang on. Is it Lasher? Is it Oklahoma Generator? No, it's Dorsey Jones. Dorsey Jones is the proud sponsor of Locked In Today and Everyday. Family-owned and operated. Established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. Selling Buicks and GMCs. Some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. And their low-pressure environment creates an enjoyable experience for everyone. The knowledgeable and eager sales staff to assist you before and after the buying process. Not to mention incredible pricing as well. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC. Folks, something on the text line said, pound cake for Daniel Akinkunmi. Pound cake sounds more intimidating. It's clever, but also intimidating as a nickname for an offensive <laughs> Absolutely. lineman. Absolutely. I like that better than the English muffin. We'll have to get Daniel Akinkumi's take at some point. But obviously the primary objective on this show for an hour every weekday is to discuss the happenings surrounding OU football and typically primarily recruiting. Now there are times where there is a lot more happening in the world of recruiting than there is in the world of tangible OU football. Today is not one of those days. This is not one of those weeks or one of those months. The only commitment that OU is really waiting on imminently here is one that comes down this Friday from four-star offensive lineman Eddie Pierre-Louis out of the state of Florida. The number 28 player in the nation, according to our National Rankings Council over at Rivals.com. 
And the expectation here, Drake, I talked to a few folks this morning that confirmed where things stand. The expectation this morning is that Eddie Pierre-Louis will commit to Oklahoma on Friday. This thing has waffled back and forth for months between Oklahoma and UCF, but it certainly appears as though the Sooners have seized a decisive lead heading into Friday's announcement. More and more confidence is accumulating on the OU side of things. And this is the type of commitment, Drake, that when you look at Oklahoma's 2024 class, it's already really good. National top 10 across the board. And you would have looked at this hall and gone, okay, it's great. Eddie Pierre-Louis is basically gravy. If you get him, awesome. If you don't, I mean, that's fine. Still going to have a top 10 class. But in the aftermath of Caden Green's departure yesterday, this particular recruitment has taken on a much greater degree of significance. Well, and it's funny that this is the first thing that you come off the top saying because this was one of the first things that I was going to try to pose to you as a question is because you had talked about even months ago whenever it was looked at as Grant Bricks, Eddie Pierre-Louis, which one is going to – or either one of them is going to end up at OU. And you kind of talking through the situation, scenarios of, well – Pierre-Louis a little bit more of an interior guy and is probably more of an immediate plug-and-play. Grant Brick's probably a higher ceiling, but either one of those guys can play. Whenever, that's immediately what popped into my brain with EPL, knowing that decision's coming on Friday and knowing what it is that just happened with Caden Green because now you have, we've talked about it a lot. You've had four question marks really that you had on the offensive line. Really, it, it, with Caden Green there, it, it's you. I guess you could say three with uh, Jacob Sexton being one of the tackles for sure. With the way he played down the stretch, and I said it, I said it earlier. It's worth reiterating: the belief from the OU side, from folks in the Switzer Center, is that. Eddie Pierre-Louis is a guy that can come in and potentially push to play and start from the jump. Somebody that could see the field as a freshman, just like Caden Green did. And, well, Drake, you don't necessarily need that next year, but, boy, you would like to have it. It would make you feel a lot better about this offensive line heading into year one in the SEC. Well, and that window just got a little bit bigger for him as uh-huh. far as it being a possibility. So You lose a guard in Caden Green. You gain a guard in Eddie Pierre-Louis. And obviously Oklahoma is going to pursue Fabeki Nawawu from North Texas, Geno Vandemar from Michigan State. Both those guys set to visit this weekend. I know you will have a chance to slam the door shut on both of those recruitments. So those are two guys with numerous, numerous Power 5. Well, I guess Nawawu is not Power 5, but both guys that have been FBS starters for quite some time. Guys that you can plug and play. You would imagine, you would hope, on your offensive line. So, are they stop gaps or more so than long-term solutions? I would say yes. I don't know if those are the types of guys you want to have occupying your offensive line for you know, 8, 10 years to come in the SEC. At some point, you're going to have to start building. I think at some point, you're going to have to start improving the overall level of talent. But even so... Drake, 
Bill Bedenboe is somebody that has continually, over the years, gotten the best out of the hand he's been dealt. And he's turned a two-star into an NFL dude in Ben Powers. He's turned mid-to-low three-star dudes into NFL players. Cody Ford, uh, Orlando Brown, to name two. So, just because you don't have an offensive line group that is rife with blue-chip recruits doesn't mean that this offensive line is going to struggle. And what's funny to me, Drake, is that the critiques of Bill Biedenboe always sound the same. All right, the way Bill Biedenboe recruits, it's going to catch up to us before long. (laughs) And it just doesn't. Year after year, Oklahoma has solid play in the trenches. They protect the quarterback well. They open holes in the running game. And if you want to point to Oklahoma's inability to run the ball consistently throughout the 2023 season. Obviously, things opened up towards the end when Gavin Sawchuk got healthy. But if you want to point to that as reason to criticize what Bill Biedenboe has done slash accomplished and the overall trend for the Oklahoma offensive line, I think it ought to be acknowledged that the top four running backs on your depth chart all missed substantial time at a certain point due to injury. Well, and the guy that everybody kind of pointed to in that Cheez-It Bowl, once he got healthy, once he was getting regular reps, really pieced it together at the end of the season. What was it, four consecutive 100-yard games for Gavin Sawchuk to end the season? Four straight, yes. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for me to be able to look at the offensive line situation as far as I I guess this is a question that a lot of people are going to have. And if you aren't necessarily comfortable answering this question, then don't. Okay. How the question that everybody has is how much is Caden Green's departure have to do with Bill Beaton, his relationship with Bill Beaton? Zero. Absolutely zero. I have no issue saying that. Yeah. Zero. And Again, if you want all the grimy details as to what went on behind the scenes, and there were conversations between the Green family and OU last night. I can tell you that much. You want all the details, they're over at OUinsider.com. If you're not already a subscriber, you'll have to pay a few bucks a month to jump on board. But trust me, if you're real curious about the behind the scenes of that situation in particular, there's a ton of information there that I am comfortable sharing there, not as comfortable sharing here, because obviously you have the paywall factor there that you don't have here. So any anything I say here, I mean, we're on an open forum. So I, what I am freely willing to acknowledge, uh, among the things I am willing to acknowledge regarding the Caden Green situation in the full public eye here, is that Bill Biedenboe could literally not have done anything to prevent this. And that is something that has been reaffirmed to me over conversations in the last 24 hours with a variety of different people. They've all said the same thing. Look, end of the day, this is 0% about Bill. 0%. And how can it be? Because when Caden Green committed to Oklahoma and in doing interviews at the All-American Bowl last year and going through the process of not only being a recruit, but then being a commit, being a signee, and then getting to Oklahoma and rising to the level of being a game captain as a true freshman, one of the messages that always remained consistent from him, one of the things he was very cognizant of and open about was that, okay, I understand 
Bill Biedenboe's track record. I understand what he can do for me and my career. I understand that if I come to the University of Oklahoma and submit to his leadership and commit to getting stronger and faster and more agile in the weight room via Jerry Schmidt's workout regimen, that plus the sharpening that I can get from Bill Biedenboe as my offensive line coach will get me to the NFL and make me a lot of money one day. Now, <laughs> yeah, you do you don't just leave that behind unless you have a very compelling reason to leave it all behind. And we don't know all of the details. We we may never know exactly what played into this decision, Drake, but I think everybody's got a pretty good idea yep. of what the primary motive was. The other question concerning Caden Green, and I know that you've kind of uh, talked about this the last couple hours with Steeler, but for those that are out there, they're just now tuning into Locked In, tuning into the station for the day. Do you feel comfortable putting a percentage chance on Caden Green coming back to OU? It's not 0%, but it's dang close to it. Okay. A listener on the text line said, pushing, go to website and pay for information, LOL, you guys crack me up. Yeah, look, I, I'm sorry about it. That's my full-time job. <laughs> if I reported everything on the radio that I reported there... I wouldn't have a full-time job. Right. So I'm sorry about it. That's just the way it is. And also there are some things because of their sensitivity that are better said behind a paywall than publicly. It's the nature of the beast. All right, we'll hit a break. We're overdue for an opening timeout this hour. Locked in returns. Coming up next, Parker Thune alongside Drake Dyken here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans, more OU football and recruiting talk on the other side. I missed this last hour, Drake. This is significant. I'm going to cite to you two tweets. One of them from Justin Williams, who is a staff writer at The Athletic, and another from Chris Vanini, who is the senior writer at The Athletic. The tweet from Justin Williams reads, Breaking in Ohio versus NCAA, Judge John Preston Bailey issues a temporary restraining order for the next 14 days that grants immediate eligibility to any college athletes currently seeking it via a multi-transfer waiver. Next hearing is scheduled for December 27th, 2023. Now, if that sounds like Greek to you, here's the explanation in the subsequent tweet from Chris Vanini. Big ruling here. For the time being, the one-time transfer rule has been blocked, and players can transfer multiple times without a waiver. Curious if we see any football players jump in the portal as a result. This also means basketball players currently sitting out after a waiver denial are now eligible to start playing. This is definitely going to get very messy. To recap, coaches limited where players could transfer and sit out a year. NCAA allows one-time transfer in response to waivers. Coaches complain about free agency. NCAA clamps down on multi-transfer waivers. AGs sue over waiver denials. Court opens multi-transfers. In short, coaches and schools complained about transfer free agency, and it may result in actual transfer free agency. Drake talked about it yesterday in the aftermath of the Caden Green fiasco. That right there kind of reinforces it. We are entering a completely new era. 
of collegiate athletics. One that bears no real resemblance to what we have long known. NIL and the transfer portal have drastically and permanently altered the landscape of college sports. Well, and it, it kind of emboldens the idea that every time the NCAA gets involved in anything, they prove how insignificant they really are and how they're really just a toothless tiger when it comes to any type of rules restrictions that they try to put out anymore, right? Because, I, I mean, you said it. They put out this restriction to try to block players from transferring multiple times because of all the coaches are complaining about the this new free agency era in college sports, especially in college football, college basketball, and it gets immediately overturned. I say immediately. You know how it is that the courts work, but sure. it gets overturned by the courts, and I mean, this all... <laughs> The NCAA is, it's just really funny to me how quickly they made themselves completely irrelevant because it all <laughs> happened. It When the NIL stuff happened, they basically just said it was the Wild West and go let it happen. Yep. And they, they bet on there being one outcome of them showing everybody how much they needed the NCAA to police all of this. And what they didn't realize is that it made everybody come to the conclusion that you're kind of pointless now. Because yep. you didn't make any rules from the get-go, you have made yourself pointless, and we're having to step in make our own rules, or just having to look at it and say, yeah, there are no rules, and we have to figure it out on our own. The, the NCAA is has become such a joke in the really the last decade more than anything it's been a joke longer than that but the last decade it has been absolutely absurd the downfall of many institutions entities empires even so often boils down to poor leadership yeah poor leadership and hubris and hubris Jeff from OKC on the text line would like to know, how would both of you fix the transfer portal? I'll let you dive into that and your opinions therein, Drake. But I'll tell you, I'll be straight up. How would I fix the transfer portal? I'd freaking get rid of it. The transfer portal would not exist if I were college football commissioner. And the man who stands on that pedestal more so than anyone else is Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports. He's far more qualified to be college football commissioner than I am. But if I were college football commissioner, the transfer portal would not exist. And if a player wanted to transfer, the stipulations would be as follows. If you are not a graduate transfer, you have to sit a year unless your coach leaves. So if you are transferring because of a turnover in the coaching staff. Okay. So you position can apply coach, coordinator, head coach. Or are you making stipulations on that? Any coach pertinent to your particular situation. Okay. So yes, any, position any coach, the, coordinator, head coach. There. Yes. Okay. Any and all of the above. If one of those coaches leaves, on a case by case basis, you can apply for a waiver to gain immediate eligibility. Otherwise, you sit a year. If you are a grad transfer, you can transfer anywhere and play immediately. 
no penalty whatsoever. That is how I would legislate transfers in college football. That is what my organizational solution would be. Well, it's also the only potential fix for the cur- the biggest problem with the transfer portal right now is the fact that NIL is not illegal, essentially. I mean, that's that's that was always the speculation for a long time. Oh, well, uh, guys are going there because they're getting money. I mean, SMU is the biggest one that comes to mind of, as far as a concrete example of this happening, right? But now that it's all on the table and you can have this within your program to where guys are getting money and that is the only thing that is going to fix the transfer portal is if you have those type of restrictions like it used to be. What you just mentioned is exactly how it was for the transfers for as long as I can remember. Yep. And all of a sudden, the last three years, it is next to impossible just as a fan to try to keep up with who's going where, who's even on your team, and not to mention who's headed out the door. And I don't know how you fix it without doing exactly what it is that you're talking about. Well, and here's the problem. Let me use a text to illustrate because the Because you're always going to have the NIL incitement that's going to Correct. pull guys into the portal. Correct. The problem is that there is a loophole for everything these days. The way that the NCAA has structured it all, there is a very easily exploitable loophole for everything. For instance, take this text from a 918 listener who says, I agree with Parker on transfers, but I would not penalize walk-ons. The insinuation there is, okay, if you're a walk-on, you can transfer uh, without any, without having to sit a year, without any penalty. Here's what happens in that case. Schools don't offer athletic scholarships to players. They say, we're not going to technically put you on scholarship. We're going to take care of you via NIL payments. Or rather it would be the athletes that would ask for that sort of arrangement because then that preserves their ability to get out of Dodge if the situation isn't right and they don't like it. And there will always be an institution that is willing to give them that type of deal. If one school says, no, 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 we're not going to take that chance. We're not going to effectively give you an NIL scholarship just so you can preserve the possibility of transferring. Well, guess what? There will be 10 other schools that line up, especially if the player is talented enough, and say, we'll take that chance. Well, especially a program that's trying to come back, so to speak, right? Exactly. Even if it's just from one bad season, even especially if it's a program that's in the state of what Nebraska is right now, you're going to have programs that are going to step in and say, you know what? The money's there because of all the TV contracts that we get from our conference, all the ticket sales that we get, because everything. We've, we have the money there at our disposal. We just don't have the product on the field. And, hey, this quarterback uh, out of high school says he just wants to come and uh, get NIL money, no scholarship. We'll provide him that flexibility because we think that he can turn around our program. 
Panhandle Sooner says restrict the transfer portal and NIL issues solve themselves to a degree. Absolutely. That's 100% true. Because then yep. a kid can't create a bidding war for his services. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just say, for the sake of the hypothetical here, you have a kid who earns his way onto the field as a true freshman and plays a lot and plays very well. Well, if he can't transfer without sitting a year and he doesn't have the transfer portal to fall back on, he can't use back channels to drive up the price of the brick using under-the-table offers from other schools. So, yes, you restrict the transfer portal and NIL issues will absolutely solve themselves to a degree. A 405 listener says, what if you just make the transfer sit out a year always? Uh, I don't know. I, again, there are certain situations. I think head coaching change, obviously, and anybody who's a graduate transfer, it makes sense to let those guys play immediately. There are, believe it or not, legitimate reasons for kids to transfer. It's not always about the money. But in a lot of cases these days, it is about the money. All right, got to hit another break. We'll come back, continue to discuss this. Your texts and more as we roll on here on The Ref on a Wednesday afternoon. Park Thune, Parker Thune, Drake Dyken here with you on the home of Sooner fans, The Ref Radio Network. Locked in continues here on a Wednesday. Parker Thune, Drake Dyken here with you from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line available to you at 405-651-3439. And the text line is popping off. Not surprisingly. Man, Drake, this used to be the quietest time on the calendar just as far as information tangible happenings, anything and everything to fill radio segments with. And yet here we are in early December, and it's arguably become the busiest time on the calendar in the world of college football. Oh, yeah. It's the final push for signing day. That was kind of the first change that happened to where it's like, oh, okay, now we've got this expedited recruiting process to where guys are making their final decisions, signing so they can possibly, in some cases – Go and uh, be part of bowl practices. In other cases, be ready to enroll for spring. And then you add in what it has become with the transfer portal. And it is just a gigantic mess. Because right now, I mean, the big question uh, really has become, especially if Caden Green does, in fact, uh, transfer elsewhere, doesn't come back to OU. There's a very legitimate question of who actually is playing on the offensive line for OU in the Alamo Bowl. It's going to be a Motley crew. Now, you have Walter Rouse, you have McCade Mattire, you have Jake Sexton, for right. sure. Those are the three guys you know you can count on. So, Rame has already rolled himself out for the bowl Rame's game. not playing in the bowl game. Great. Okay. So, you need a center, and now at this point you need a left guard. There are solutions. Uh, it's not as if OU is up a creek without a paddle here. It's just going to be much like last year in the Cheez-It Bowl against Florida State, right? You're going to see guys that you haven't seen all year. Mm-hmm. Aaron Parks was playing left tackle by the end of that football game. I don't know who plays left guard. I don't know who plays center. I got I got my guesses. I think Troy Everett occupies one of those spots, but I don't know for sure. I mean, it's, it's always a meritocracy with Bill Biedenboe, so you lose your guy that started left guard all season. Well, not all season, but... Down the stretch, you lose your guy that did start at center all year. That's going to be an open battle, and you got 15 practices to figure it out. 
LG Sooner says, in the Caden Green situation, this is from the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, by the way. In the Caden Green situation, it's quite apparent there was tampering going on. Sad thing is, tampering is always going to be impossible to prove. Again, that goes back to loopholes. There is a loophole for everything. And tampering didn't really matter before NIL. Because if you were paying a kid, you were paying him illegally. Yeah. Now you can pay kids. Everybody gets paid. Well, and the incitement, well, it's really, it's a rule, but like you said, there's so many loopholes. Somebody said on the text line to the Knipplier Chevrolet text line said, the NFL has stricter uh, tampering rules than what college football does. And that, <laughs> that's pretty true. And it, I hadn't thought about it that way. It is. It, it like the NFL has been looked at as kind of a joke uh, when it comes to the tampering rules because they have the they have what they call the they had to institute Parker a non tampering period for teams to be able to talk to impending free agents, in which they were still they were still under contract technically with other teams, but they because it was such a problem in the NFL with tampering they had to just legislate their own, okay, well, okay, you can talk to them earlier than what free agency would be, but this is all we're giving you. The NFL's tampering rules are a joke, but they're not as big of a joke as what's going on in college football right now. 110% agree with that. From the text line, Recruiting Boomer, formerly The Recruiting Doomer, said, and I, I actually agree with this, I never imagined I would agree with this, but he says, the NFL is way better now. I never thought there would be a time where I would find myself, I, after childhood, obviously. I feel like when you're a child, everybody enjoys the NFL more than the NCAA because there's just a mystique about it. But I have always, ever since childhood, preferred college football to the NFL. And now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, man, college football kind of sucks. And not in terms of the product, right? Football is football. Football is always great. But especially as somebody that covers it, especially as somebody that is privy to some of what goes on behind the scenes and has to maintain relationships with a lot of these people that are involved with a lot of things behind closed doors that the rest of the public will never know of or hear of, I get to the point, I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, man, NFL has so much less drama, so much less drama. It's a roster of 53 dudes. You draft seven new ones every year. Free agency is a hot stove for a week and a half. I, I, the NFL, up until very recently, didn't really have a whole lot of intrigue to me. Like I, I would keep up with it, but I wouldn't invest myself in it. And now at this point... Like the the current the current era of college football is making it less and less appealing to the diehard fan, and certainly to I would say the reporter, at least in my line. Because once again, you just have to deal with a ton of BS, a ton of BS. It's easy, and I wish I could like I wish I could sit back and just be a fan that watches the games on Saturdays. There are times when I'm out covering OU football games, and look, I'm very blessed to do what I do. I enjoy it immensely, and I don't want that 
misconstrued at all. It is a blessing to get to do what I do. But there are days, there are certainly days, where I'm like, man, I wish I could watch the game this Saturday at home from my couch. I have those days. <laughs> I, I'll admit it. I if anybody understands that Parker, you know it's me. Okay? You know it's me. It's and this is kind of the same thought process I have when people start to talk about NFL coaches coming to college football, especially now. Like 10 years ago, it was a lot more appealing. But now like people still try to bring up John Gruden. Like no what part of you thinks that John Gruden wants anything to do with this world of college football right now? With a recruiting, even ten years ago, I don't think that he would have wanted anything to do with. And obviously, he never took. You a hear job. Bob Stoops on these airwaves every week. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. You listen to him talk about yeah. what he had to deal with. You just hear Bob Stoops's voice, his attitude, his general attitude, Parker, since he retired. It is an enormous improvement from what it uh, was like in terms of I, – I should say it like this. Bob Stoops was somebody that had a – especially by the end of his tenure at OU, had a standoffish experience with – a lot of the media members, especially in press conference type settings, stuff like that. And you hear Bob now? Can you imagine anybody having a poor media experience with Bob Soups now that he's out of college football coaching? No. No, I can't. And it's not that he wants to be removed from coaching football altogether. He's still doing the stuff with the XFL. It's just that it is... Like having a 800-pound gorilla just taken, lifted from your shoulders. It is a huge undertaking, becoming a head football coach, especially now. All the Used to the one thing that you could not worry about as a college football coach was, okay, players on roster, we've got them. I might occasionally have a guy that wants to transfer out, but... They know that it's a huge commitment to go and do that because they're going to have to sit out a year. Well, and I was having a conversation with a source this morning, and I don't think that source would mind me sharing this either. But Because, I mean, it's true, and it, it, it underscores the point you're making, Drake. That source told me, man, BV is spread so thin right now. And if he weren't spread so thin, maybe there's a world where OU can be a little bit more proactive in figuring out exactly what was going on behind the scenes with Caden Green and doing something about it. But – it starts at the top with BV. It's just as true for really every member of a staff, especially in the NIL world. They are they are working nonstop. Well, and I think that that's what's that's what we've talked about a lot. By the way, I'm very distracted by the Kim Myers Chevrolet text line that it's uh, popping off. Uh, well, there's one texture out of the nine one eight that says, uh, "I guess is comparing my voice to Tom Hanks." Which really, is very distracting to me. Yes. Um, Thank you, by the way. There are worse comparisons than saying that I uh, sound like Tom Hanks. But I think that that's that's one of the main reasons that there was a little bit of a delay with Brent Venables coming to Oklahoma, right? Was he recognized the 
expansion that had to happen with the staff with the current outlook in college football. Sam and Edmund has made us an itemized list. Things ruining the sport, and not necessarily in this order. RPO, <laughs> good place to start. Teddy Lehman, would Teddy be Lehman in says amen. On that, yeah. Teddy Lehman is somewhere saying amen. Free transfer without losing a year. NIL without guidelines or oversight. Mule shoe. <laughs> commercial breaks. And jet sweeps. Seriously, if they'd re-implement sitting a year and losing that il- eligibility unless you're a grad, it would end some of this. I agree, Sam and Edmund. I'm with you. We're overdue for one final break this hour. So let's have a word from our sponsors. Come right back. Wrap up on this installment of Locked In here on a Wednesday. Parker Thune and Drake Dykin riding with you, talking Sooners football and recruiting, which we will continue to do next on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Cherokee Sooner, we disagree. The day has finally come. Our number one ranked texter on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439, Cherokee Sooner, has, in my mind, promoted a bad take. Proffered a bad take. He said, throw in bubble screens to that list of things ruining college football. I'm a staunch defender of the bubble screen. I will go to war for the bubble screen. Bubble screen over jet sweep all day, every day, any day. Now, a listener in the 918 asks, will BV and crew do or say something to let other staffs know not to mess with their team, or do they just have to take it? Well, I mean, realistically, what can you do? If you <laughs> it like if you put something like that out there, let's just say BV makes a public statement, hey, don't mess with our roster. And let's just say Eli Drinkwitz is the one that's pulling the strings behind the scenes to get Caden Green out of Norman. I don't know that to be the case, but let's just go with that hypothetical. Let's say it's Eli Drinkwitz. What's Eli Drinkwitz going to do? You think he's going to be like, well, I mean, we can't we can't tamper with OU's players. Venables told us not to. No, he's going to do, keep doing the same crap. There's nothing you can do about this. There's absolutely nothing you can do. And it sucks that there's nothing you can do, but... That is the predicament that the NCAA has created. That is where we stand, Drake. Yeah, the... Don't mess with our players. Okay. Or what? Uh Uh-huh. You're going to send out a mean email or a tweet? What's going to happen? Yeah, well, did did Texas A&M stop buying players when Nick (laughs) Saban came out and said, well, they bought a whole recruiting class? No. No, Texas A&M kept buying players. Yeah. Again, as long as it is... Within the rules, and I'm using air quotes here because technically, like, there is a way to tamper with players so as not to run afoul of any rules in technicality. Because you don't have to talk to the player directly. You can talk to the people in his camp, members of his family. There are a million different ways to get a player's ear without just calling him up. And obviously, just calling him up is flat out illegal. But there are a million different ways. To, get, to effectively get a hold of that player. And so, making a statement like that, coming out and saying, hey, don't mess with our players. I mean, like, mic drop in theory, right, practically does nothing. Does absolutely nothing. And this text is 100% spot on from a 405 listener. Good coaches are going to end up leaving or retiring 
because of the current status of the game. You will see it more and more. Less and less coaches will want to sign up for everything that being a college football coach entails. And recruiting and roster retention is a huge part of that. You will see more coaches move on to the NFL. You will see experienced, seasoned, championship-winning coaches right off into the sunset much earlier than they otherwise would have. This is the new normal. It's how it's going to be. That ties a bow on this installment of Locked In. Tyler McComas will be back in the saddle with me tomorrow. He'll also kick off a special four-hour edition of The Rush coming up in just a couple moments. Teddy and Tyler will have you covered all the way through OU's initial SEC schedule release, 3 to 7 p.m. with Teddy and Tyler. Keep it right here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans.